Insomniacs are minds night, watching movies day and night. Exploring cinema is a wild ride. Allow Filmsomniacs to be your guide. Filmsomniacs. 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 So my top 20? Yes. All right. Number 20. And I will say I probably would switch uh, 20 and 35 here. Because I do really like Top 20, uh, my 20th film. But um, I do think Get Out maybe deserves this spot over this movie, uh, even though I really like it. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The original with Gene Wilder. Such an iconic movie and such a, like, perfect, well-crafted movie. I just think, like, of all the, like, of that era of Hollywood, and I mean, I know it's not the era of, like, Wizard of Oz, but that's just, like, what I'm thinking of because, I mean, there's definitely, like, some mistreatment of, like, little people in this movie. And yeah. for that reason, it really should get knocked down on my list. But Gene Wilder really is incredible. I mean, and he did the most with this movie. He really did. And, like, the perfect... He encapsulated Willy Wonka better than, like, Depp. And yeah. it has to be better than, like, what Chalamet is going to do. Because, like... It, that new Wonka movie does not look good. I'm sorry. No, it doesn't. I, <laughs> it really I, looks bad. I don't want... Some people are really excited for it and are enthused, but I cannot, for the life of me, get any amount of excitement built I up know, for it. I know, I <laughs> know. And it's Paul King. I mean, it's Paddington, Paddington guy, so it should be good, so good, but it's like it just looks so bad. So it's cheesy. Just, yeah, the way he delivers that line where he's like, quiet up and listen down. Scratch that. Reverse it. It's like, I know. I quote that shit all the time. Are you time. even trying? Are you even trying, Timothy? <laughs> no, he isn't. He is sleepwalking through that. God. It's really cringy. And I don't feel cringe a lot. That's not something that, like, I some people I don't even like to say everything. that word, but I, I feel I really cringed. don't, but I feel cringe when I watch that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I agree. But with Willy Wonka, with Gene Wilder, I mean, there's that part in Willy Wonka where, like, the machine is bubbling and then you see like his eyes like looking <laughs> through it and it's like it's like expressionist it's just so yes. so good that I, whole tunnel uh, sequence that everyone is so afraid of yeah. is one of the funniest things ever because he's just like screaming oh, at them and then all of a sudden it stops and they're like all right time to get off the boat <laughs> so we're there yeah it's <laughs> right. it's so funny I do. I do love Willy Wonka. Yeah, I do love Willy Wonka. It's one of my favorite older movies. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's it's incredible. It's I love that incredible. sequence with the one woman who's like her husband's been kidnapped and they the the people she's like, I don't care about anything. I just want Harold. And they're yeah. like, they'll release your husband if you give them a, a case of your Wonka chocolates. And she's like, how long, how long do, do I, I have, have to decide? <laughs> that is the best whole sequence of that movie. Like where yes. like all the people are talking about the bars. There's like yeah. the old boy who's the therapist and he's like, and, and what did you dream of? He's like, I dreamed that I knew where the case of Wonka bars were. <laughs> oh, but it was so sad. And the therapist is like, tell me where the ticket is. Shut up about your dream. It's so funny. <laughs> or the computer guy. The computer so will funny. tell us where the last case of Wonga Bars is. And I know this is four or five million dollars well spent. I'm just going to input my question into the computer. And it says, uh, I can't tell you that would be cheating. 
That would be cheating. It's like if, if you ask ChatGPT something and ChatGPT is like, oh, I'm sorry, that's unethical for me to answer that. Yeah, <laughs> right. That is so funny. That is that is so funny. Like, yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, like the, the whole rise of AI and everything, that just makes that scene even better. Right. It's so funny. That's a quotable movie, man. I quote Absolutely. all the time. Um, so that's 20. So 19 is Goodfellas. My score says nice. Nick. It's it's good fellas for me. I do love Taxi Driver. That comes in a close second. And I love Scorsese. And I know like, you know, he's seen as like a gangster movie director and he doesn't do anything else, but I mean that's not true. And honestly, like he does a lot for the film world too. Mm-hmm. Um for preservation and stuff like that. Yeah. So I really do love Scorsese and, and Goodfellas is incredible. I mean, yeah. it is just absolutely beautiful. It's it's one of those movies where like people do also look at it like you know they decode it toxically. Yeah. And and I think like that's one of the most interesting things about it because the whole like movie and I and I rewatched it recently is like it's framed to be inspiring. Yeah. And like constantly the characters are all like, well, you know, I'm out here earning for my wife and my family. I'm not sitting on my ass like somebody with a nine to five job, barely scraping by. And like, that's how they constantly justify yeah. doing the things that they do. And I mean, on that level, I feel like that movie's really powerful. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. Goodfellas is incredible. Um, and then 18, I have 28 days later, Danny Boyle, best nice. zombie film. Um, wow. I don't, I mean, that movie is just. That movie is incredible. Killian Murphy um, just completely, completely knocks it out of the park. And just, like, the ending. I mean, that's, like, my favorite iteration of a movie that, like... That's my favorite iteration of a movie where, like, the humans are the real monsters. Oh, yeah. I feel like that and, like, Pan's Labyrinth really are kind of similar in that way. And also, like, they're very, like... I guess Pan's Labyrinth doesn't feel raw. 28 Days Later feels really raw. It's really grainy. Yeah. But it's just this, like, it's so pretty. The shots yeah. are just so nice in this movie. I, I love 28 Days Later. Um, 17, Brad Bird. It's the Iron Giant. Yes. I love the Iron Giant. Amazing. Oh, such a fantastic film. Absolutely amazing. In my opinion, it's Brad Bird's best. I think that would I would agree with that. It's it's so good. It's either that or The Incredibles for me for Brad Bird. Fantastic. I Both. I do love The Incredibles. I also love Ratatouille. I mean, Brad Bird's amazing. Yeah, I love Ratatouille and I love The Incredibles. I think both of those are like some of Pixar's best, if not yeah. the best Pixar. Right. Um, but Iron Giant is just so good. So good. Yeah, I I. There's so much I could say about it, but like just the character development, the tightness of the plot. I mean, it's so self-contained and it's such a like simple idea, but it just, it just works so well. And then like, you know about like why he wrote that, right? With his sister. Yeah. Didn't she either shoot herself or was shot? She was, yeah, she was shot. She was a victim of gun violence. So that was like the whole idea. Like, you know, and I mentioned this on the Average Film Enjoyer podcast, but like 
you know, just that's just huge. Like the whole idea, yeah. the whole inception of this movie being like, what if a gun didn't want to shoot people and a gun was sentient? Mm. And and I mean, it's just it's just perfect. And it's Vin yeah. Diesel before he went into Groot. Yeah, but he's still playing kind of a similar kind of character. Uh, I love it. I absolutely I love it. I am not a gun. Yeah, it's really I'm good. Superman. Uh, God, my heart. It's it's it's. <laughs> Just a really beautiful film. I love how Hogarth is like so obsessed with like the 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 B movies too. Like he's the perfect yeah. kid to meet a robot and be friends with a robot. It's just so cute. Right. He's all watching like the Howard Hawks style yeah. movies. Yeah. So oh. great. And it's Cold War. It's a Cold War period piece. I always forget yeah. that about it. Yeah. Or people. Yeah, I, really I don't. Good. I don't. But like people forget that about it. I feel like you know the duck and cover era of right living in America, and that's just, and, <laughs> and that's like the perfect time period for like something like this to happen, and like the perfect level of like oh, like of course everyone's going to be scared of a giant, right? Kaiju, basically. Yeah, and then in the end, it was the uh, the government worker that put them all at risk. Right. You know, he's he's the one that shot off the bomb that the robot had to go stop. Right. Yet another example of like, yeah, the humans are yeah. the real monsters. I always love yeah. that theme. I always live for it. Yeah. So, yeah, 17, the Iron Giant. 16 is Francis Ford Coppola, the Godfather one. Yes, the Godfather. The Godfather? Oh, you haven't seen Barbie yet. Are you watching The Godfather? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't seen Barbie, although I know like just like all of the things that I've heard, like referencing The Godfather, referencing like Kubrick. 2001 yeah. like when it's she crazy. was first talking about that movie she was like yeah some of my inspirations for the barbie movie are truman show <laughs> serial experiments lane like what what a matter lane, of life bro? and death <laughs> like, the godfather yeah, right. Right. <laughs> like, whoa, 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 whoa. greta greta what's going on <laughs> oh, gosh gerwig is so slay i love her she's amazing absolutely and i i love the godfather i mean that is just like such a beautiful movie yeah I just, I can't, I can't even, I, I can understand why people wouldn't like it, but I think yeah. like, I think if you were to take the the gangster context out of it and just look at it like visually, I feel like, yeah. I feel like a lot more people would appreciate it. And I think part of that is just because like the gangster culture has become so like, like there's so much saturation for gangster movies. Yeah, like every other movie that comes out nowadays is a gangster film, I feel like. Right. A gangster right. film or a superhero movie. <laughs> right. And and I would get crap for, um, you know, I love Goodfellas and I love The Godfather. I mean, those are very stereotypical, like, film bro type of movies. But um, but I do love them. And I and I understand um, why somebody wouldn't like them either. So Yeah. Yeah. At 15, I got The Lighthouse, Robert Eggers. Yes. My favorite Robert Eggers film and one of my favorite films of all time, The Lighthouse. Yeah. Such I, a... It's such a just masterpiece. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a fart-filled, weird, beautiful masterpiece. <laughs> right, right. It's just like the fart jokes in like art house cinema is such a thing yeah. that I just adore. And I'm so happy that like A24 is making it happen. Yes. They're finally making it happen. They're combining oh. lowbrow and highbrow, and it's just yes. coming out as the perfect thing. Willem Dafoe's uh, whole performance in that movie is yeah. just so unhinged and hilarious. And not to mention one of the best monologues of all time. Yeah. The heart. You don't like me, lobster? Yeah. Hark! 
you're you're drunk, or you wouldn't be saying that. He's like gets all offended when he says he hates his cooking. And then God. right after that huge long monologue, he's just like, "All right, I like your lobster." Yeah. All right then. <laughs> like, this so whole good. like sea shanty like Neptune's yeah. curse. Like, oh, it's so good, dude. When that happened in the theater, it was just like. Oh my god. (laughs) My theater was so weirdly silent for that movie. Like, nobody was into it except me. I'm sitting there chuckling and, like, having a ball of a time, and everyone else is, like, silent and, like, what is going on? (laughs) I laughed throughout that whole movie. It's so funny. And also, like, you know, another example highly immersive period piece. Yeah. Yes. You know, so it's on that level of, like, pride and prejudice for me. And I love, you know, I love stuff that I can just, like, get transported to a new world in. And this mm-hmm. really, really feels like that for me. And also kind of like Pan's Labyrinth, you know, a highly like practical period piece with like light mm-hmm. fantasy elements, but it's also like gritty. Yeah. And yeah, like a very niche genre, but always like my favorite kind of thing. Yeah. And the lighthouses. I I would say um, amongst the, the Brat Pack, the elevated horror Brat Pack, that yeah. lighthouse is number one for me. It's a um, really good movie. But we can do a ranking, do a ranking list of that later. Yeah, the um, elevated horror brat pack ranking. Right, like the yeah the nine, you know the nine. Yeah, the nine, the nine films. Um, which you know the nine. I mean, if you don't know what the nine is, it's the witch, the lighthouse, the Northman, Robert Eggers, Hereditary, Midsummer, Bo's Afraid, Ari Aster, and Get Out, Us, and Nope, Jordan Peele. And that's like, that's like the like new like elevated horror crew, the brat, the, yeah. brat, the brat pack, if the you will. Pack. I mean, it's you know, yeah, and and just I love them. I love them so much, and I love the yeah. lighthouse. Great film. Fantastic um, movie. Next up, fourteen is uh, Paul Verhoeven, Starship Troopers. <laughs> I was nervous you were gonna say Showgirls for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh god holy shit <laughs> i i i adore i adore starship troopers i put it on i got it on vcr so that nice. was like my birthday haul you know and i was like okay like i'm gonna clean my office and like i'm gonna put uh starship troopers on the tape you know <laughs> And I'm just going to have it in the background because I've seen it a hundred times and it's just so good. And I know, you know, I could recite the movie by heart probably. And I love it so much. And I still fucking sat down and watched it. I still got, I still got distracted. I had to sit down and watch it. And then I would pause it and be like, okay, I'm getting sucked in. I got to go back to work. (laughs) And then like, I would turn it back on and it would just be like, God, this is such a good scene. I'm going to have to sit back down. And like, there's that part where like, Michael Ironside like pulls the guy's like head over with like you know the big like hole in it and he's like what does that look like to you looks like it got into his brain yeah he sucked his brains out (laughs) (laughs) and that's like that's like Iron Giant style where he's watching the movie and it's like darn a perfectly good brain wasted it's like totally that style I love that (laughs) that's so funny I love, and I love Starship Troopers. That's, like, a great example of, like, just, like, another, like, comedy about fascism. Like, you just see, like, all the, and this was before, like, the saturation of the internet, but, like, all the advertisements that come on in that movie for, like, you know, 
basically like it's like TikTok. Like that movie predicted TikTok. Honestly, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Would you like to know more? Would you like to know more? Um, so number thirteen, we got Miyazaki. Ooh, Spirited Away. No, wait. I think you told me what your favorite one is. It's Mononoke, right? It's Mononoke. Yes. Princess Mononoke. I love Spirited Away. And you know what? I rewatched Kiki's Delivery Service, and that actually might, might surpass Princess Mononoke because nice. that's so good. But Princess Mononoke is insane. Absolutely insane film. And I like that's a great example of like a villain who just like is morally relative. Like she is a villain, but she is a hero also. Mm. And it's just I just love that movie. <laughs> it's like it's that's my favorite of like the Miyazaki's like environmentalist movies. Yeah. Um and just like such such a beautiful movie. Yeah, I need to dive into Ghibli. I've still only seen Spirited Away, but uh... Mononoke is I mean Spirited Away is amazing. Yeah. I, I think like that's a good place to start. Yeah, like, Mononoke. For like, if you haven't seen any Ghibli movies, or I mean, I mean, Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. Honestly, oh, maybe oh, yeah. maybe even more than Mononoke. Honestly, yeah. Um, because like I feel like Spirited Away. I mean, that's like the like magnum opus of yeah. like, Ghibli, and that deserves to be up here. And I think like that's another one. You know, like I said, uh, honorable mention. You know, it's. Uh, the honorable yeah. mention is the whole filmography of Miyazaki and like yeah. just kind of Ghibli in general because I love it so much. But yeah, I think me is I, I think uh, Mononoke is my favorite. I nice. love that film. Um, then uh, number twelve, we got Best in Show by Christopher Guest. Nice. I've never seen it, but that's like one of those oh like gosh, improv so comedies, funny. right? It's like, so have you seen Spinal Tap? Uh, no, but I know of it. It's like, how would I put it? It's like, um, it's like, you know, it inspired The Office. Yeah. Like this movie, like Best they in do Show. They do like a mockumentary style. Yeah. It's like a mockumentary uh, of like a dog show. And nice. just like all the crazy, like high, like intensity, like dog <laughs> trainers that are involved. Yeah. And there's just like all these great personalities and just an amazing cast. Like Fred Willard is in it. Parker Posey. Jennifer oh, Coolidge, Jennifer oh Coolidge God. and Jane Lynch have there's some gay representation wow. happening and like it's it's just it aged impeccably and just like I, and um uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara yes just like so good like Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara are together and like Catherine O'Hara is like you know oh like uh, a lot of men liked me you know and like all the people like all these random strangers constantly like meet her and are like oh hey <laughs> remember me from college long dick and it's like stuff like oh that <laughs> and eugene levy's like yeah well i you know i was pretty popular in college myself he's <laughs> 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 just it's just so funny and, That's and awesome. that movie is like that movie made me realize because i thought eugene levy was overrated for a little bit because I saw him in, like, New York Minute. And it's like, okay, like, this guy's just kind of playing the same role in, in all of his movies. But that movie really, like, made me realize that he was amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. I got some things, though. Um, so next. Yeah, so if you haven't seen any of the other Christopher Guest movies, um, Best in Show. He has, a, like, a whole, like, series. Best in Show... Um, 
waiting for Guffman. Yeah, waiting for Guffman. And um, I forgot what it's called. It's called like a a bitter wind or something like that. I have to look it up. But nice. like he, he does a whole series of movies and Christopher Guest is in it. He's like one of the nice. main characters and he's hilarious. Like he is <laughs> hilarious. And he's the main actor from uh, this is Spinal Tap, which was oh, a Rob nice. Reiner film. But yeah. yeah, then he went on to direct. Um, I think it's called a Northern wind. Look it up. A mighty wind. A mighty wind. It's a mighty wind. Yeah, I remember hearing about Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show. It's called uh, a mighty wind. A mighty wind. Yeah. And he's nice. like a great actor. I mean, he's in uh, The Princess Bride. Nice. Um, Is he the guy that's like torturing? He's in Night of he's the not... Museum. A few good men. Is he the guy torturing Wesley at the end of Princess Bride? With the guy that's like whispering? I'm, I'm trying to remember what who he is in that movie. Because, like... Oh, yeah, he's... Well, he's the Count. Oh. Count Rugen in that movie. Um, but anyways, yeah, Best in Show is, like, the most underrated movie on TikTok, in my opinion. Nice. Um, nobody talks about it enough. It's hilarious. It's heartwarming. It's got amazing gay representation, especially for the time. It came out in 2000. Oh, yeah. Wow. And it was like a, you know, I mean, it's not like an LGBT focused movie, but it has like great, great gay characters in it. And I just love it. I just absolutely love it. And, uh, and then finally for 11, um, we have, uh, my, uh, Jean-Pierre Wannette pick. Um, <laughs> Amelie comes in a very close second, but for me, it's the city of lost children. Nice. I've never seen that one. Yeah. I don't even think I've heard of that one. That's an insane movie. It's got Ron Perlman. Wow. Um, and a bunch of other fra- French actors. Um, Dominic Pignon, I think his name is. He was in, uh, he's in like all the Wanette movies. But basically, it's about a mad scientist who kidnaps children and tries oh. to steal their dreams because he can't oh, wow. dream. But he has nightmares because all the kids are having nightmares because they're kidnapped by a mad scientist. <laughs> and it's just, like, insane. I mean, clones. That is a wild spot. Like, wow. clones, brains in jars that have constant migraines. Like, you know, conjoined twins, like, mind-controlling circus fleas. Like, it's just absolutely wow. crazy. Amazing. That sounds like a blast. One of my favorite movies of all time came out in uh, 95, Year of My Birth. Uh, yeah, it is an absolute blast. You would love it. Because it's the f- <laughs> it's the vibe of an of Amelie, but if you made it into like a sci-fi like horror comedy. Yeah. Just, <laughs> That's so funny. So cool. I guess that explains why Jean-Pierre Genet got the uh, Alien sequel, and if he was already di- dipping into the weird sci-fi <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or was, that, was the Alien 4... I feel like Alien 4 came late, right? It was like in the late 90s. Yeah, now I want to look. That is the one that Jean-Pierre... Jean-Pierre Junet, yeah, Resurrection, yeah. Yeah. And uh, also he did a movie called Delicatessen. Have you ever seen that? Oh, that's the one um, with the, the pig on the cover? Yeah. And they were. Yeah, I heard about that. It's like they live in this, like, it's post apocalyptic. They live in this, like, you know, rent. Uh, they live in this apartment, this tower apartment. And the landlord is a cannibalistic butcher. And the guy uh, is a clown. And it's uh, wow. it's Dominic Pignon. 
Um, I just want to make sure I'm getting his name right. Yeah, Dominique Pignon. And uh, he is like a clown, but he falls in love with the butcher's daughter. And like, it's just crazy. And they all live in like terrible apartments. So, you know, it's a comedy, another (laughs) kind of comedy about like, you know, the ills of capitalism. Yeah. And like the, the guy in the basement, like just lives in like a constantly flooded basement. And there's like tons of snails (laughs) all over his apartment. And it's just like, just free food, I guess. Weird. Yeah. And he eats them. (laughs) Which is like, (laughs) it's it's funny you say that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He eats them. And oh, that's wow. just a totally bizarre. I, I love it, though. But City of that's Lost dumb. Children, unmatched. Absolutely love it. And yeah, that's uh, that's 20 through 11 for me. Um, you want right. to do uh, 10 through 6? Yeah. Okay, my 10 through 6, these are all pretty film bro films at this point. Um, I guess. If... That's okay. <laughs> so number 10 is The Shining with Stanley Kubrick. Uh, fantastic I love, movie. I do love The Shining. Yeah, just uh, the level of, like, cinematic manipulation that is at play in The Shining is incredible to me. Um, Yeah. Like, I could watch it a hundred times and still notice something new. Like, the last time I watched it was the first time I noticed that the direction of the carpet changes between shots and some shots. And it's like, what? (laughs) That's crazy. I I never realized that either. The amount of detail that went into it is insane. And I think that's why people come away with it with all these crazy conspiracy theories because you can really, really delve into this film and walk away with a billion different like interpretations of what's happening because it's insane. Yeah. Um, and my like my personal theory about that movie is that like he never went insane. He was always insane. He just was allowed to go unchecked. Yeah. That like it, it was just the opportunity <laughs> to kill his family. Because you see like... You know, you just, I feel like you can tell, like, mm-hmm. especially after like Breaking Bad, like after watching Breaking Bad, I watched it again and I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. but like there's clues to it the whole time. Right. Like when he's, you know, normal and I'm using air quotes, normal Jack. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's a, I mean, that is a splendid film. Absolutely. Oh, so good. And it's like in... <sighs> It's just insane. It's so pretty, too. <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah. Um, and then the next film I have, number nine, is The Silence of the Lambs. Um, I think that needs no explanation. It's a very famous film. Um, it's a great film. But, yeah, it's a... Uh, I love Jodie Foster. Um, I think she is excellent. And I think uh, what she does in this movie is really incredible because she, you know if you watch it and you're kind of like half paying attention, you kind of just see like, Oh, she's just, you know, going about doing her job. But if you pay really close attention, you see that like at every step of her trying to do her job, there's some man in the way. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That movie is like such a good, like exploration of like toxic masculinity in the workplace. Yeah. That's like constantly an obstacle for her. And sometimes like in small ways that like, you know, I mean, I mean, men might not notice. Yeah. I think, and I think, and I probably didn't notice it the first time I watched it because I was just like, okay, whatever. She did her job. Cool. And then like, you know, but you, you just, she's just incredible. She's just incredible. She doesn't back down for nothing. And, uh, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And of course, like Hannibal Lecter, I mean, you know, Anthony Hopkins is amazing as Hannibal Lecter. Incredible performance. And there really is a reason why his character endured like it did because it was just 
so so spine chilling yeah. yeah but he's like it's weird because he's kind of charming like not in like yeah. a, like a like you want to have a conversation and like talk literature with him or something yeah but then he's also just so terrifying he like flips a switch and he's eating your face off and it's like oh my goodness right literally ripping your face off and wearing it just yeah. freaking. so messed up oh my goodness um but like yeah. it's like that ed gein style of uh of gruesome crimes but they went the the high brow route of of displaying that on camera so like yeah you know the people who would turn their nose up at texas chainsaw massacre which is ridiculous because it's a fantastic movie yeah. uh would not turn their nose up to signs of the lambs <laughs> so it's just like it tr- it tricks the viewers into thinking they're watching something classy when it's actually a super trashy gruesome yeah. movie <laughs> yeah it does and that's i think one of the more interesting things about it is like it's a sort yeah. of like and it's sort of emblematic of how like hannibal masquerades is like civilized yeah. and it's right like, that's the coolest part about his character it's yeah. really brilliant. Yeah. And then at number eight, I have a Clockwork Orange, another Stanley Kubrick. Um, nice. I'm due a very for a rewatch on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what I love about a Clockwork Orange, I think, is uh, just how um, I'm trying to think of a of a delicate way of wording this. Um, just how they don't allow Alex to choose, like the movie itself takes a certain chapter out of the book and in the final chapter out of the book to be uh, particular in which in the book, Alex decides he's too old to continue being a violent criminal and he wants to be good now. And like that ending just never sat right with me in the book. I think it's kind of gross to allow someone of such evil to, you know, finish out the story saying I'm good now. I chose, I chose to be good. I'm good now. Yeah. (laughs) Like not doing any sort of work to, repair what he's done in the past, you know, at all. Yeah, um, definitely. But the movie takes that out. And some people have a problem with that. And I can understand some people have a problem with that because they're like, well, now he doesn't choose to be good. So he's just evil. And I was like, yeah, he's just evil. That's the point. <laughs> like right. that is who he is. That's who he wants to be, you know? And I think, and I think, you know, in the story, he's put through a treatment that takes away his ability to choose. And, and the story, you know, asks the question of, does that destroy humanity or, you know, is it, is it beneficial for humanity to take away a person's choice to be evil or does it destroy humanity altogether to do that? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, the movie doesn't seem to give an answer, but it does ask all the questions in a really interesting way. And I think the fact that at the end he, you know, the treatment fails and he goes right back to being evil, I think, is a better ending than him being like, oh, you know, I did all these terrible things in the past. You know, I've, I've murdered and assaulted people in the past. But, you know, I'm going to be good now because I'm too old for that. <laughs> it's like, you, <ew>. No, thank you. <laughs> and that also, yeah. And, I mean, I never read the book all the way because I found it really difficult to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I find, like, Irving Welsh's books to be... Or, no, I, that's not... That's Anthony Burgess. Anthony right? Burgess, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I find that kind of, I find those kind of books usually pretty difficult to read. Um, yeah. but like, yeah. And that kind of does detract from the whole like philosophical question that the film asks. Yeah. Because if he chooses to be good, it's like, well, okay. Like he could have chosen to be good, but like, right. obviously like it's a, it's a metaphor for like the idea of just evil 
and like yeah. whether that should be a choice or not. So right, yeah. I mean, it, I'm due for a rewatch, but highly stylized film. I mean, yeah, it's an amazing Kubrick film, and I, I loved it as a kid. But I distinctly remember, like, I mean, I had a poster of it, like on my yeah. wall. And I just remember, like, somebody, like, pointing out to me, like, well, that movie is so gruesome, like, you know, you, how, you're a misogynist <laughs> for having that on your wall. And it was like, well, yeah, I guess I am. And I thought I was thinking this at the time. Obviously, yeah. like, you know, I've grown up, and it's like, you know, media literacy is a very important part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, like, if I rewatch the movie, I might, um, I might enjoy it um, even more, probably. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, I tore it down. And then, like, it's just, like, and then I haven't watched it since, but I do still remember really, really, really enjoying it. Yeah. And I think it's been, like, six years since I saw it. And I think, like, I think it's about time now. Yeah. Because... It's an uncomfortably funny movie, too. Because, like, between the scenes of violence, like, you know, Alex is pretty much, I think, just giving narration the entire time between all the moments he's doing horrible things. And some of the things he's saying... <laughs> Some of the things he says are hilarious, but like you don't want to laugh at them because you're like, "Oh my goodness, Alex, you're a terrible person." <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like, like it's another like a comedy about fascism, you know? It's yeah. grim, but it's also just funny because of the way it's delivered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like he's all talking about like how the nurses and doctors bring him his steaky wake and eggy eggy whack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they brought they brought me a steaky wake and eggy whack, and it's just like, oh my goodness, why am I? I shouldn't be laughing, but you're evil. <laughs> Yeah, the good old ultraviolence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my local plus, Valisant. My local plus. <laughs> uh, and Malcolm McDowell, yeah. he just gives an iconic performance. He, he is, really does. He is amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I love that film. Um, I'm really excited to dive back into it. And I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I, we should cover it on the pod, honestly. I would love that. That would be great. Because I'm always down to rewatch it. It's, it's one of my favorites. Um, yeah. We we should go through the Kubrick filmography. Because, yes, I mean we could we could so end many. with Eyes Wide Shut since I haven't seen that yet. Uh, Eyes Wide Shut is a uh, Eyes Wide. I think Shut that's the only Kubrick I haven't seen. It's an interesting movie. Jagger, um, of the average film enjoyer, really loves it. Nice. I don't. I mean, I don't know if I feel that strongly about it, but it was good. I mean, it's interesting. I guess I would yeah. have to go back and rewatch. But like one thing that stuck with me about Eyes Wide Shut is just that you can tell and I'm sure like it's Kubrick, so he probably wanted this to happen. But like you can tell that like everybody's gone through the takes hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah, because they're by all the, like exasperated. <laughs> yeah, they're all exhausted in that movie and it's just so like weird. The delivery is so weird yeah. for like Tom Cruise to just like deliver everything like he's out of breath. Or like that he's tired and like anxious and like you know, he was like the proto Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, like he wanted all his actors to like give like a flat affect, but he like didn't want them. He didn't direct them to be flat. He's like, I'm gonna make you exhausted until you're flat. Right. <laughs> it's, like, right. <laughs> it's like okay. Does so? Does Yorgos do that? Does he like? Is he a freak on set about that? I, I don't know if he does that, but he does direct his actors to all have a flat effect. And uh, and it's something a few directors do. Wes George Anderson. Lucas. Yeah. Yeah, Lucas, um, yeah. Yeah, and it works for some. It doesn't work for others. Um, Abe Nye Shyamalan directs his actors to have a flat affect, and it doesn't work for him, I don't think. But he does it still in every single one of his films. 
I understand um, M Night is. I mean, I understand the the dislike of M Night, but I also do understand <laughs> the love. He's a very I, complicated director. Yeah, it's like I love him, but I don't love his movies. And then at the same yeah. time, I don't love him because he also is kind of like an egotistical jerk sometimes. Right, and I mean, it's like it's, <laughs> it's inspiring because you know he funds all yeah. of his movies. He self funds it. He definitely makes the kind of movies he wants to make. Yeah, for yeah. better or for worse, you know. I really loved The Sixth Sense, and I don't think I've really loved anything else he's made. <laughs> I like The Sixth Sense. I like Unbreakable. I think yeah. Signs is okay. You know? Yeah. And I mean, like, then some of the movies he did was bad. But a lot of people yeah. jump to, like, The Last Airbender as being like, oh, like, if he made The Last Airbender, then he's going to be terrible. And, like, at this point, like, so many directors have just hopped on, like, terrible movies and done nothing for a paycheck. Yeah. I almost feel like, I mean... I, I mean, Guy Ritchie like, made the Aladdin movie, so... <laughs> terrible. And didn't didn't feel like an Aladdin... Or, um, it didn't feel like a Guy Ritchie movie. Like It still all. weirds me out that it is a Guy Ritchie movie, because I'm like, what? what? I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't believe it is. I just really don't believe he did anything. He Honestly. was like a, a hired to be credited as the director, right. and then um, second AC directed the film. <laughs> that had to be what it is, because it just doesn't have any of that stylization that like Guy Ritchie is known for. Yeah, it's a really strange thing. <laughs> yeah. and then then the Peter Lowry did the uh, the the uh, the Wendy the Peter and Wendy film for Disney Plus or whatever. I didn't even see that, but all the only reviews I've heard is that Neverland looks really flat and boring. And I'm like, Peter Lowry, the guy that made The Green Knight, made a flat and boring movie? What? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's authentically crazy that he even yeah. signed on to do Disney. So Very weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'd be like Ari Aster doing like a Disney remake. It <laughs> when literally that happens, is. We know like Hollywood's done for. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I thought, could you imagine like he does the next um like freaking incredibles 3 by Ari Aster? <laughs> yeah no it would be like a remake of something it would be like a remake of like i don't know what movie hasn't has been like I black guess cauldron yeah. Ari Aster's black cauldron <laughs> right yeah there you go yeah black cauldron god oh my goodness that would be good that maybe would I, be i'd go see that actually <laughs> <laughs> I we would. just accidentally pitched a really good idea. Um. Uh, okay, well, Ari, we know you're listening uh, to Film Somniacs, so there you go. You can have that one for free, bud. <laughs> and then my um, my number seven is Get Out. Fantastic Hell movie. yeah, Get Out. Um, and my number six, since we've already talked about Get Out a lot, I can just move on, I think. Um, my number six is Pan's Labyrinth, which is a fantastic movie that we've Absolutely also already choice. talked about a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I love just think both of those gorgeous. movies. They're well yeah. deserving of your seven and six spots. I think yeah. they're both fully realized films that are layered and and uh, brilliantly written, brilliantly directed, brilliantly edited. Just not an ounce of fat on either of these films. Just yeah, so great, 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 great movies. I and then my number five is. Oh wait, wait, wait! No, just kidding. Just kidding. Your turn. <laughs> Should, okay, I'll do ten. I'll do ten through six, and then we can go five and five, four and four, et cetera, Dope. et cetera. Okay. Uh, so ten through six. So number ten, I have Tetsuo, the Iron Man, Shinya Sugimoto. Nice. I absolutely love that movie. Um, and you can't tell me it's not a gay movie because it is. <laughs> it's a super LGBT movie, and it's it's also like highly elevated, um, highly symbolic. I mean, just amazing effects. 
Yeah. Like that is like the movie with like, you know, animation on people, like people doing animation. I mean, it's just, that's like the first time I really saw that. Yeah. In a movie. And yeah, for that reason, among many others, it stuck with me and yeah. continues to stick with me. I absolutely adore this film. And yeah, I mean, if you love film, like that is a must watch. Absolutely. Um, number nine, American Psycho. American nice. Christian Bale. I love that movie. Um, yeah, I love this movie. I love this movie, and uh, it, it is a critique on masculinity, you know? Yeah. And, Try uh, getting a table at... What's the restaurant called? Uh, Try uh, getting a table at the restaurant Dorcia. now! Dorcia. Yeah. <laughs> Try getting a table at Dorcia now, Paul! When he's like, oh my God. When he's mansplaining to like Jared Leto about Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> so good. So good. It's so funny. I love how nobody recognizes anybody in that movie. Everyone's like, oh, hey, you. Oh, hey, you. <laughs> like, yeah. they're just saying random names. <laughs> they don't right, right. Or they use just, like, a completely different name for a different character. Yeah, like, yeah. So funny. Like how, like, Paul Allen just thinks that, like, Patrick Bateman is somebody else. And yeah. he keeps talking about how much he hates Patrick Bateman. What a dork. What a wussy. <laughs> yeah. Patrick's like, oh. He's yeah. just sitting there taking it. <laughs> yeah, like just smiling, laughing. But like you see in like his eyes, he's like thinking about like just. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon in that movie too is so funny. Well, uh, do you mean Chloe? Wait, no, she's in that too. Oh my yeah, God. Reese Witherspoon pays his. Um, she is. Chloe she's, Savigny yeah. is really good too. But Reese, yeah. Reese is so funny. And. It always surprises me when I watch it and I remember that she's in it. I'm like, oh yeah, Reese was in this. I so love funny. Reese, man. She saturates my top three, uh, top yeah. top, fi- uh, top fifty. There's That's three nice. films I have with Reese as That's a amazing. major character. She's great. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. so great. Yeah, I love American Psycho and like yeah, Willem Dafoe is in it. I always forget about that. Ah, and, the detective. And, so yeah. funny. It just. <laughs> there's it's so a really many, good movie. So many great scenes in that. Mary Heron really made a masterpiece. Yeah. I love it. Uh, number eight is But I'm a Cheerleader. Yes. Jamie I love Babbitt. that. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic film. Natasha Leone. Oh, God. Yeah. Natasha Leone, Clea Duvall. I mean, RuPaul. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> it's just like, and like, it's really like such a just like cinematically like artsy like movie. It doesn't like, the cover gives it the vibe of being like a rom com or like just yeah. like a sort of like 2000 comedy. And there are like those moments of that. But there's also moments where it's like, it feels like a, like a A24 type yeah. of thing. Like something you'd be seeing more accustomed to like something like, you know one of the more like transgressive directors doing. Right. And, and I mean, for that reason, like being able to switch between those genres like that, I just yeah. absolutely adore, but I'm a cheerleader. It's one of my yeah. favorite movies. Have you seen that interview where somebody's asking Natasha Leone what the message of the movie is? And she goes, I think the message of the movie is be gay. Well, be yourself, but preferably be gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so perfect. God. <laughs> And that's totally, like, within the vibe of the whole movie. Like, there's, like, the one character who, like, says, well, you know, like, well, why are you here? Like, when they're at the conversion camp, well, I'm French. (laughs) Just being French and sad just means you're gay and you're at a conversion camp for that. It's 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 so so funny. I love it. I love it. (laughs) 
Um, another movie that uh, I think, like, I think it's pretty gay, but it's, like, not as outwardly gay as uh, The Lost Boys, number seven. Yeah. Joel Schumacher. This is my favorite vampire movie. Just such a fucking phenomenal movie. Like, aside from, like, the campiness of, like, Corey Feldman just, like, talking like this the whole time. Yeah, we're vampire hunters. <laughs> it's just, like, aside from that, even, and, like, you know, like, uh, all the moments with, like, the just where it's just shots of muscly men and saxophones playing yeah. like, with fire behind them. Yeah. And then it'll cut back to the kids, like, God, this town's boring. <laughs> like, <laughs> and they're just, like, all partying in the street. And, like, it's so just great. It's so, so good. And one thing I learned recently about this movie when I was on a live with uh, Livy Bradford on TikTok, she told me, or maybe it was her. Maybe not. I don't remember. But we had a good live anyways. But anyways, um, we were talking about uh, The Lost Boys, right? Yeah, so The Lost Boys, uh, Kiefer Sutherland has the fewest amount of lines in that movie. Wow. Right? That's like, crazy. Even fewer than like that dork from uh like uh, uh Bill and Ted's. Wow. Yeah, he's all I think about when I think of the Lost Boys is Kiefer Sutherland. Right. He just has like such an insanely commanding presence. It's That's just so funny. So, so good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? I was talking about that with uh my partner's mom. Nice. But the live with Livy was fun too. I'm sorry, Livy. <laughs> <laughs> like she was that just the other night? Movies. Yeah, yeah. I just I popped on it because we were talking about uh, sleep. Or she was talking about sleep paralysis on the live, nice. and I was like, "Oh, I got a story yeah, yeah, for that." that. And then she awesome. was like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, gosh, come on!" And then we talked about <laughs> it. <laughs> like, That's amazing. Um, yeah, it was fun. And then uh, number six for me, it's uh, Peter Weir, The Truman Show. Oh yes, The Truman Show, fantastic. My favorite Jim Carrey movie. Um, my favorite movie. Well, not my favorite movie about movies, but my second favorite movie about movies. I love The Truman Show. Yeah. I feel like that just says so much about, like, American culture, just like the culture of the world at large, sensationalism. Yeah. I mean, media, you know, media obsession, the cost right. of, like, being in entertainment, and just, yeah. like, it's just so good. And such a perfect ending, too. I, I love that movie. Very I adore good. it. Did you hear about that um, freebie show Jury Duty that they did? No. Was they it? they did it. They did a Truman Show essentially. Like, oh, they pretended to have a. They had a fake trial. Every other juror was an actor. The judge was an actor. Everyone except for one jury member. Was oh my a god! Actor. Yeah, and so for they two just months, summoned them to a jury. Yeah, and the the guy thinks he's actually a jury duty member for the entire time. I think his name's like Ron, and Ron's just going about his jury duty life, and like they're orchestrating these crazy scenarios around him, and like I guess every time he like started to question that it, it had to be fake, that like they would do like boring regular jury duty stuff for like hours and hours and hours. So like at the end wow. of two months, they finally you know tell him. Hey, this was all fake. Haha, <laughs> we're not we're actors. This wasn't this wasn't a real trial. <laughs> that's like that's and, gotta be traumatic. Yeah, he actually like had to go through therapy and he like he did like this whole like um yeah. 
daytime television tour where like he was constantly being asked like how did you handle this and he's like i just thought people were still following me i'd be at the grocery store and i would think that the cash register person was an actor and it'd be like i don't know what's real anymore and it's like wow you guys really messed this poor guy up dude yeah like see like that's and and honestly like that's just i don't know i find that to just be heinous Honestly. It's so crazy. I mean, I watched the whole show. I'm not going to lie. It was really entertaining. But, <laughs> but I, I mean, felt probably, a little... At, at what cost? Ill. You know? Yeah. And I mean, like... It was so strange. Even, like, the movie, like, Boyhood. I don't know what your thoughts are on Boyhood. I haven't seen it yet, actually. I mean, like, that movie just feels Truman Show-esque to me. Like, they yeah. basically got a baby, and they were like, okay, this baby is going to be an actor yeah. for the first, like, 16 years of his life. And it's just, like... It's not quite on that level, although it is right. because it's a longer standing thing. And it's like, it's just, I don't know. I got a problem with it personally. That's yeah. my beef with, uh, that's like my beef for with a month of his boyfriend. life. Every year he was shooting a film, right? Yeah. Like every year they would come back and they would shoot a little bit of it. And then a year would pass and he would come back and he would shoot more of it. Right. So like, that's gotta be pretty intense. Like for your entire beginning of your life, like you were basically born into a movie like that's kind of strange and it was a huge movie yeah but like so everyone's gonna recognize him for the rest of his life as the boyhood kid (laughs) right and i mean like you know maybe he doesn't want to be an actor how could you know that when he's like a baby right and it's just kind of it's really indicative of like all the things with like youtube now and like all the kids who like were put on youtube and are now like suing their parents because they family vloggers being like filmed yeah the family vloggers and now they're, you know, and they're getting like, you know, creeped on by people online mm-hmm. because they're, because they were getting posted online. And, yeah. and I mean, like, that's something that I think is so like important about the Truman yeah. Show is just yeah. that like, it almost predicted that, but yeah. in, in a way, like it almost was happening when that was happening too, just on a different level, because like right. now you, you know, now like the internet is so commonplace. And, you know, it's so ingrained in our culture and it happens probably more commonly now. But it was yeah. even happening back when, like, the Truman Show came out with, like, reality TV and stuff. And, like, right, people, yeah. you know, if there were kids involved with, like, reality TV. So, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's why I love the Truman Show a ton. But if something is like the Truman Show, that's almost like a guarantee that I probably wouldn't like it for that reason. Because, yeah. yeah. I mean, it almost, like, goes against the whole, like, ethical, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, message question presented yeah by this movie so it's i it's, definitely agree yeah um, but that's 10 through 6 for me so what's nice. your number five what's your my number, number five, five. We're getting into the top five people here Ooh, drum roll i would drum roll but my my mic is gonna be like yeah i my drum roll is gonna be like finger taps next to the mic yeah <laughs> we got psycho alfred hitchcock psycho um, this will be the first of two Alfred Hitchcock movies on my top five. Um, nice. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Um, like, I think it's... I was actually talking about this with uh, Average Film Enjoyer podcast, Trey and Jagger, when we were doing the Rebecca uh, podcast, because they, they were talking about how like it seemed like uh, Hitchcock took ideas that did that they felt failed in Rebecca. I I thought worked in Rebecca. They felt failed in Rebecca and that Hitchcock took those ideas and made them better for Psycho. And I think that's a really interesting way to look at Psycho cuz mm. I think it's interesting that there's two 
Hitchcock movies with heavily queer-coded characters who end up psychopathic, who keep a room preserved for their past loved one. Um, and... Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It's like that two nickels meme. If I had two nickels for every time Hitchcock right. had a queer-coded psychopathic character that, you know, kept all the belongings of their dead loved one preserved in a room, I'd have two nickels. It's pretty weird, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. it isn't a lot, but it's still weird that it happened twice. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. And um, I just think it's a really uh, incredibly shot film. Like, there's so many brilliant like things that Hitchcock does. Like the first time you see the Bates motel is through a wet blurry windshield. And yeah. like, you see it as the, as the windshield wiper comes and wipes the water away. And it's like, it just, I don't know. It's just little things like that. Just really make it feel like the Bates motel is like some sort of nether realm that you've like accidentally stumbled into. Yeah. And I, uh, it is a really, I mean, it is a, it is a really gripping movie. I, I yeah. agree. I, I mean, aside from like how it's been decoded, you know, yeah. because obviously like, and, and I mean, maybe how it was encoded, you know, because like they, they just had to add that little part in the end that just, yeah. I don't know. It almost like invalidates a lot of things that I, I mean, the rest of the movie is just so good. So yeah. like, you know, it, I understand. I completely understand. And I think that yeah. that's totally valid because like, the movie is really pretty and it is really gripping. And like the guy who played Norman yeah. is amazing. Anthony Perkins. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And he was a, he was a, an actual gay man. Um, an actual gay man. It's such a weird way to preface it. He was gay. He was well, a he gay was man gay in real life. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's another interesting layer. under yeah. That, that whole conversation. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, this, this movie followed him for the rest of his life. Uh, and like to the, to the point where, he kind of wasn't in anything until they started making psycho remakes or sequels. Damn. And then he was in them again. So like, damn. Yeah. It, it, yeah. A hugely influential film, um, for everyone involved, I would say. Right. It's crazy how like that, you know, societally, like people can just like ostracize like an actor for a character yeah. that they portray. Yeah. I mean, even with, like, The Exorcist, and I love that movie, but, like, Linda Blair, like, went through mm -hmm. so much hell because they thought she was, you know, the devil or something <laughs> stupid like that. And, I mean, the other interesting thing, and I was watching, like, um, I think it's called Cursed Movie Sets on Shutter. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's just talking about, like, all the production problems that was coming from, like, a lot of, like, you know, classic movies. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, like, uh, the kid who played Damien in The Omen didn't experience that. Wow. He just... Even Somehow though that, grew up. yeah, he just grew up and didn't have any problems. Wow. Like, but hmm. Linda Blair had all sorts of problems, and like, you know, you had like religious people calling her like a bitch. Uh, you know, a, I don't even want to say right. like, just like terrible, terrible names, like giving her death threats and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, she seems like she's doing okay now. You know, she runs like an animal rescue center. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the I don't know what the deal is with uh, with the guy from Psycho. Um, but that's oh he's he's passed away a long time. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, I know he's, I know he's no longer with us. Sorry, <laughs> just, like, like, <laughs> is he still around? No, he's dead. Is he like hundred and fifty now? His son is making movies though, so that's cool. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oz Perkins made. Uh, he, Oz Perkins is in Legally Blonde. Oh, oh, is yeah, he the he's... is he the friend, the like tall yeah. friend? The awkward friend. I can't remember yeah. his name. 
Yeah. The, wow. The, yeah. Wow. And then he also directs movies now too. He directed like the Black Coat's Daughter, I think, is an Oz Perkins film. That's cool. I've seen yeah. him in a couple of different things. Oh, yeah. I want to. I want to look into his filmography. He doesn't look like his father at all. Like not at all. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, he's kind of tall, and he's got yeah. like, you know big glasses, and he's kind of like a little bit awkward looking. He's got this very round face. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like Anthony Perkins is like very like extremely like conventionally yeah. like yeah yeah conventionally angular some looking yeah yeah that's well that's that's really interesting yeah I mean it. You know, that's a totally valid pick. <laughs> um, so that's number five. Number five for me yes. is Spike Lee, Do the Right Thing. Yes, I love Do the Right Thing. I want to hear a really bad story before I learned what appropriation was. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, sure. I tried to do that haircut that Spike Lee has in that movie. And, like, oh, I didn't my curl. God. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't curl my hair. It's so embarrassing. This is so embarrassing. I am fully disclosing embarrassing history right now. Um, but like, I didn't, I didn't perm my hair or anything dumb like that. I just like, he has that, like, it's like shaved up to the top and then there's that line. Right. And then yeah. his hair is like the natural curl the rest of the way up. Um, so I just, I kept it natural, but I like shaved it up to the hair that it was straight. Cause I was like, that's such a cool haircut. I love Spike Lee in this movie. I want that haircut. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. kind of like, you could, I mean, that's kind of like a haircut that like, you know, white yeah. people use. It's like a, a, a flat top, you know? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't perm. I didn't dye it. I didn't like try to make myself look black. So at least there's that, but yeah, fully yeah. embarrassing thing to remember that when I saw do the right thing, all I thought about was how cool his hair was. Now I wanted it. <laughs> he, he does have amazing hair in this movie. Everybody yeah. has such amazing yeah. costuming in this movie. Yeah. Fantastic. I love do the right thing. That's another great movie where it's just like, it has that sort of like, I, I wouldn't say meandering, but just, like, that quality of, like, flow. Yeah. You know, like how Taxi Driver does, where it's just... It's like a slice of life type, like, thing. Right, right, yeah. And, like, macro-narrative like that, you have all these, like, really crazy, interesting characters, and they're all so fully realized. Yeah. I mean, Giancarlo Esposito, like, in his, yeah. like, early stages of his career. Isn't that amazing? Just amazing. Yeah, even, like, Martin Lawrence, like, Samuel Jackson, mm. John Turturro. I mean, it's just... It's incredible. It's an incredible the film. color scheme is so amazing. Oh my gosh, yeah. The just the bright red. Hugely saturated, yeah. Yeah. And like the the cinematography, there's so many like tilts. Like yeah. Dutch tilts and like crazy angles, wide shots. I mean, it's just so pretty. Yeah. But anxious, but pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's like it really strikes a balance of like anxious and relaxing. Yeah. I love do the right thing. I would say that that's. I'd say we're now that we're in the top five for me. These are perfect movies. Yeah, perfect such a good in, movie. Perfect in every way. I love that one line where the the title drop line where he's like, "Hey, always do the right thing," and he's like, "Got it. I'm gone." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. good, Doctor. What? <laughs> always do the right thing. I got it. I'm gone. <laughs> it's just so good. It's so good. I love it. Yeah, such a good movie. Yeah, gosh. And then like and also like uh the the love hate monologue. Yeah. And that was like re that was like uh that was an homage to Night of the Hunter, which I'm actually I need to remake my top two fifty now. So just scrap yeah. like these last like six episodes or whatever because I didn't include <laughs> Night of the Hunter. 
That I actually was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, there's some movies that should be on this list that aren't. <laughs> but I know. That's okay. Not every movie can be on the list, I guess. Um, yeah, Night of the Hunter is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Absolutely should have found its way onto this list somewhere, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, I love movies. It's so hard. But yeah. Yeah. So what's your top? What's your four? My number four is Schindler's List. Um, it's undeniably a tour de force <laughs> of yeah. cinema. It's so, so good. It's it doesn't feel like it's three hours long. Like, I remember when I saw it the first time, I was, like, kind of nervous that it was going to drag just because of the length. Not because I was like, ooh, Holocaust drama is boring. No, I was, like, I was in for it. I was in for it. But I was like, but it's three long. hours. Yeah. yeah. And, uh... I remember when it came to the the scene, the very famous scene where he's like, "I could have saved more." I was like, "This, this, this, this is at the end, right? This scene's at the end of the movie." And yeah. I was like confused. I was like, "We're already there? What? What?" It was only halfway <laughs> it just through. Flew by. It flew by. It was incredible. Or that um, was was that the that was like the very end. It's close to. I I mean I haven't seen it in a couple years. I believe that scene's pretty close to the end. There might be like another half hour, but for a three hour movie when you only have a half hour left that's pretty close to i i guess i need to rewatch it because i almost thought that that scene like there was still like a lot of movie left after that i know there's like a lot of like um the doc like the documentary segment of the film where like the survivors are putting the rock i know that that scene oh, yeah. actually does last longer in it, like it is actually longer than i remember it being because i remember the second time i watched it i was like wow yeah this uh documentary portion is quite long but I don't know. I just remember that by the time the film ended, I was like, that did not feel like three hours. Like, yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with that. Like, that movie was, like, I was gripped the whole yeah. time. And uh, that's hard for anyone with a movie yeah. that long. But, yeah, it's it's a masterpiece, undeniably. So beautifully shot, too. Some of the best black and white cinematography, I think, maybe ever. Like Totally. Incredible. And Steven Spielberg, like, I mean... He went out of his normal car, sort of comfort zone for that movie, mm -hmm. but it also was like hugely personal and important to him. So, yeah. and that, that came out, I mean, in a really, really big, big way. Yeah. And I love Spielberg, but yeah, the Schindler's List is undeniably a classic. Yeah, a I think he's movie. even spoken about how Schindler's List was like one of the first times he really connected with his Jewish heritage, I guess. Like, obviously he was raised in a Jewish family and, you know, we all saw that in the Fablemans kind of represented. Right. But like, I, I remember him saying that like something about how doing Schindler's list just like really opened his eyes about like the, um, the whole event and just how tragic and impactful it all was. And yeah, wow. I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine just being in that position to, to, like learn about that in such a personal way and recreate it in a cinematic form Ugh, would have yeah. been such a incredible and terrifying thing to go through. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying. Absolutely. Because of like, just how, how important the subject yeah. matter is like, you can't mess it up. Yeah. And I mean, there's like, I mean, and you know, like somebody's, somebody's, uh, me on discord sorry but like it's just like a lot of like i don't know it's kind of weird because some people coped with the holocaust by like or their that that event by like making comedies you know that's like 
Mel like Brooks. Mel Brooks yeah. and um, a Life or, uh, is Beautiful. Ernst Lubitsch, um, mm-hmm. to be or not to be. Yeah. But yeah, then like, you know, and I guess like there's, it's it's so valid in, in so many ways to cope with it. I guess yeah. I, I shouldn't really speak on that, but it's just interesting, I guess, to see like the different ways that it's been like explored. And right. Schindler's List is like such a dramatic like movie with such yeah. just it's just it's intense it's super very powerful really great really great film yeah one of spielberg's best absolutely yeah um number four for me is uh funeral parade of roses another black and white film i'm so excited to watch this eventually (laughs) oh my gosh yeah we should definitely cover it on this pod because this is like an underrated movie um this is another so yeah so i was saying truman show is my second favorite movie about film uh this is my favorite film about film amazing here i'm just gonna well it's fine did Uh, the sound did something happen with the sound just now no i'm just getting uh discord from people talking to me i don't hear them over here so yeah but i'm probably gonna we're probably gonna hear them in the recording in the recording oh well (laughs) Um, so anyways, um, Funeral Parade of Roses. What a film. I mean, have you seen, did you see Tetsuo? I have, but it was, (laughs) so there's a time period in my life when I was watching a lot and I was just diving in, but I also was not mentally like there. Sure. (laughs) Watching them, so. I totally There's a whole, there's a whole list of movies that I have seen, but I don't consider myself have, having seen them. Right. Um, and Tetsuo is one of them. Yeah, like. I totally get that. You're into the, like the weird transgressive phase where mm-hmm. you're just watching a lot of stuff. And of course you're going to see a lot of stuff that's like highly inaccessible. Yeah. And yeah, you're just going to sort of watch through them. I, I mean, I went through a similar phase myself, mm-hmm. um, but I do authentically love Tetsuo. I think that's a great film. And like funeral parade of roses is kind of like, it is a better version of that. It's really different, but it has the same kind of like feeling of like, just like uh like an underground sort of raw, like exploration of like identity. Is it like another body horror type thing? It, I mean, it isn't until it is, and then it really wow. is. And That's yeah, awesome. it starts out like a comedy, and there's a lot of campy moments, and it, it's almost like a documentary, and then it gets into like a campy like comedy, and then it becomes a horror, like a terrifying yeah. like horror, and it just. It's so so good. I, that's awesome. That's another example of a movie that just like gaslights you, because yeah. like I don't know if you've ever seen Symbio Psycho Taxoplasm. No, I haven't. That's like a movie about making a movie. He hires Bill Withers hires like a documentary crew, or he hires a film crew to make a movie, and then he hires a documentary crew to follow that film crew and document that crew, and then he hires <laughs> he hires another documentary crew. To film to follow the, the documentary, documentary crew documentary? following the filmmakers. <laughs> That's so weird. And then they all like finally get together and they're like, what are we doing here? <laughs> it's just like a circle of people following each other. <laughs> yeah, like it literally that's what it is. Like it'll it's just it's so weird. And that's good. fantastic. But like Funeral Parade of Roses is like a lot like that, where like the main character you know, she's shooting a movie and she talks about the movie and, you know, she says, it's a movie. I identify with the main character a lot, you know, aside from like the weird stuff, but it's a movie. 
and then you know we're gonna see like sort of like uh it feels like very artificial it's like a documentary like a man on the street documentary interviewing mm-hmm. like you know trans people in like tokyo at the time really basic interview questions you know mm-hmm. and then like we'll just see this like very intimate portrayal of like the main character like super super intimate and it's like wow like now we're seeing like her real life and then it'll wow. and then it and then somebody goes okay cut and then it just pulls out and like she was filming the scene and <laughs> it like tricks that, you into thinking you're seeing the real thing and then it pulls out right it keeps so crazy. happening and like it's just such an interesting movie because you don't know what's real and what isn't but like that in a way is really interesting cuz it's like it's the meaning that's like ascribed onto her as like mm-hmm. you know a person in that like time in the 60s in Tokyo right just i cannot i cannot compliment this movie enough it's so so good and very underrated um yeah so what's number 3 for you number 3 is billy wilder's the apartment from 1960 mm. oscar winner and palm door winner the i believe i mean i could be wrong i might have just spat out fake facts just now but i think it did win <laughs> the palm door um <laughs> it's just a really fantastic movie you haven't seen it have you i haven't seen the apartment but so, i've heard yeah, it, i've heard good things about it from you it's incredible yes yeah. <laughs> i i probably talk about it more than almost anybody else because <laughs> i love this film um I think I think it's Shirley one of Shirley MacLaine's like I mean she's given so many great performances but I think it's one of her like most like tender and nuanced performances and I think Jack uh why do I John Jack Jack Lemon I keep wanting to say John Lennon and I, I don't know <laughs> that happened <laughs> earlier on this too <laughs> yeah yeah Jack <laughs> Lemon uh is 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 just so funny and charming and the movie like like goes places that i guess i didn't expect it to as a film from 1960 um like it's kind of like very satirical about office work life and and uh you know capitalism in general um Mm. like the basic plot is uh john Jack Lemmon's character is <laughs> renting out his apartment to his like higher ups in the office so that they can have affairs. Like, so nice. he'll literally like <laughs> rent it out by the hour. He'll be like, "Yeah, you can, you can." That's like his side hustle is he rents out his apartment to his executives so that they can have their affairs. Wow. And and, uh, and basically, it, it's it 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 starts it starts working out in his benefit. He starts getting promoted. He gets you know corner office or whatever. Um, and, uh, then it turns out that the woman that he's in love with is coming home to his apartment with his boss. So it, it, oh it my God. kind of complicates <laughs> things and he starts to realize like, oh, you know, this really isn't a very good thing I'm doing, <laughs> you know, for anybody. Right. Um, Cause he finally, he finally understands. He finally yeah. gets it happening to him. Yeah. And it's, it's wow. a, Yeah. It's a really great movie about just like I don't know realizing kind of where you stand and what you do really does affect everyone around you and it's so good it's so good <laughs> that that sounds amazing and it is it does sound really refreshing um for a sixties movie you know mm-hmm. like tackling those kinds of themes and yeah. like with nuance yeah I, I would and... presume with major nuance since since Wes loves it and Wes has really good taste. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, and 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 uh, Shirley MacLaine's character, like she's uh, she's the she's the she's the lift operator, as they would call them back in the day. So she runs the elevator, which they don't need. Oh anymore. yeah, nice. Um, yeah, that used to be a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that used to be a position, and and that's that's her that's her position in the office building, and um, like what happens with her, like it could be seen as like really misogynistic but i think it's probably a real thing that women definitely experienced um and i think the fact that it shows the effect the emotional and devastating effects that it has on her uh i think are what make it stand the test of time and and make it a powerful film and yeah and i just made it sound really dour it's not it ends it ends well <laughs> but uh <laughs> it, it's it like, definitely it's touches context. the dark aspects yeah yeah i mean it's all about context right yeah, I've I've heard really great things about it, and I definitely want to watch. Cause yeah, that it's was good. another one that like has been recommended to me a lot, um, from that era, like of the '60s and '50s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's exciting. Um, what was that number three? Yeah. Okay. Number three for me is uh, Alexander Payne's Election. With, oh, uh, oh yes, with Matthew Reese. Broderick. Yes, and, yeah, and Witherspoon. Yep, Matthew Broderick, Reese Witherspoon, and uh, I just I love this movie so much. The movie is hilarious. <laughs> is it is? It's so funny and like just so well shot and so well written. Yeah. Like just amazing editing. Like the best like example of just like a terrible narrator, like an unreliable narrator who's a terrible person, and he gets everything that he's that's coming to him. Everyone's I, terrible in that movie, though. Even yeah. Reese Witherspoon. Oh yeah, so yeah. No, awful. she's. she's so awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's she's a victim of abuse in that movie, but she's also like a conniving, like awful person. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. My favorite part of it is like that part where he's narrating. I love my wife. We get along great. And then it just shows them at the dinner table, and she's like, "So how is work?" And he was like, "It's good." Oh. And he's eating, and then it's his narrating voice. We always find things to talk about. I can tell her anything. <laughs> it's, just like, it's just so good. So it's so just good. Like, it's so fun. I love that movie. I I, yeah. I haven't seen it in many many years. It's definitely due for a rewatch. But yeah, it's so funny. it's just amazing. Yeah, just absolutely one of my favorites. Um, if it weren't for one and two, it would be number one. But one and two nice. are a thing. So what's three or what's uh what's one uh two sorry two for me is Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Mm. Oh my God, I love this movie. I cannot get enough of this movie. It is so twisted. Um, honestly, it's probably it's probably Hitchcock's most psychologically honest film. Mm. Um, because like I just think every aspect of what Hitch was driven by and obsessed with made its way into vertigo and uh i feel like he's he's kind of a director that you can kind of see his obsessions like in his work like they yeah. shine through like he yeah, as much as he would want to hide it yeah he would yeah. just it would just shine through and like vertigo is one of those because it's about a man who falls in love with a woman who's not who she is and then and then in the end it's about a man who's trying to force a woman to be who he wants her to be <laughs> And it's just like it's insane. It's it's so crazy. It's kind of like the original Gone Girl in a way. 
in my mind. Like, have you seen Vertigo, right? That was like another one of those. So like you talked about how you went through that phase where you watched it, but you kind of wouldn't consider your you actually having watched it. Yeah, it's like what I would consider like that's that was my phase for Vertigo. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the many in uh, yeah in that phase. But I mean, I remember really, really liking it. I remember yeah. really, really liking how stylized it was. It's so stunning. Yeah, I mean that's that's one that I I need to do like a Hitchcock like marathon. Yeah, because like, it's it's, it's, it's been such a, a rewarding marathon to do too. Because his you see his his obsessions just shine through in his movies and like you see how he gets better at like manipulating things as the film as his filmography goes on it's just incredible and so he's one of I those think, directors where you distinctly notice like an increase in quality yeah as every he, single time his own. Wow. i think he really peaked with i think he peaked with vertigo um and then psycho and the birds were the ones that just followed it and after the birds, I don't think he made very many good movies, honestly. His well, that was, was like towards the end, right? Was yeah, he ma- he made movies up until 1980. His last film was oh. um, cool. the Family Plot. Um, Interesting. I didn't know he. Yeah. Were, I didn't know he made movies that late. Yeah, I mean they weren't good. I mean, and I might sure. be in the minority of that. I don't think the Family Plot is very good. Some people like it. I think when I watched it, I my review I think on Letterboxd was something like, "Wow, it's a good thing Hitchcock, you know, didn't make any movies after this because he died or something." <laughs> something really harsh and mean. Cause... <laughs> and then I looked through, and a lot of people actually really enjoy the Family Plot. So maybe I'm in the minority of thinking that he really lost his touch. But I think The Birds is his last good film. And everything before that is fantastic. The stuff after that, uh, you could kind of leave it. <laughs> I yeah, we should do uh, we should do a Hitchcock like marathon, yeah. like on this. That'd be pod. great. We should just. I have like so many do... of his movies. Yeah, I saw that. I was looking at that when uh, we were on our break. Yeah. And I saw the Nolan one right next to it, and yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, I love your collection. That's amazing. Thank you. Oh uh, yeah, I I mean. Hitchcock, yeah, that man had talent. That man, really a wild, had talent. a wild man, an absolutely yeah. unhinged wild man, but one yeah. who really knew what he was doing with the camera. <laughs> yeah, very, very unhinged. But I mean, <laughs> like m- many great artists, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. My next, my number two is kind of similar to Vertigo. Um, it's the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> In that, like, it was, well, I guess, like, Vertigo, when was that made? What year was that? 1956? Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Winnie the Pooh 58? was uh, 77. It's way, way later. And it's not like yeah. Vertigo at all, I'm sure. Although, maybe <laughs> uh, maybe I'll do some uh, comparisons. But yeah, I, I mean... Yeah. We, like, discover that Winnie the Pooh is a secret remake of Vertigo. <laughs> right. Like, it's secretly, like, actually the exact same story. That would be insane <laughs> is Ru- is Ru- who kanga is the only female character right kanga yes not the mom and she's a mom yeah 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 and that's i mean it's had it's had some criticism for that but also like the characters get misgendered in that movie. yeah i always thought not, rabbit was a not woman. by it's the characters but by people yeah like, like people rabbit think. i always thought was a woman for yep. my entire life rabbit so. piglet gets it a lot yeah. Pooh, Pooh gets it a lot, but yeah, yeah. they're all uh, yeah, they're all uh, has he him. They all have he him pronouns. Yeah, except for Kanga. Um, but like, 
I don't know. There's just something like really asapian about this movie. And I think like a big part of it is like that they are like creations of like a boy, like a little boy. Yeah. You know, they're like manifestations of like different aspects of his personality. And like all of the characters are kind of defined by like a major flaw. But mm-hmm. that also flaw can be like their greatest strength too. Right. And I just feel like this movie has like amazing voice acting. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, the 4K like restore of it is insane because you see all the pencil marks, you see like all the guidelines on like drawing things, and it's just like that is like the is the most beautiful movie in my nice. opinion. My my favorite movie to look at. Because I just love animation and like nothing is 2D drawn like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. It also has that like quality of like storybook esque nature. Yeah. It's so pretty. I love the live action shot of the storybook at the beginning too, unless I'm yeah. misremembering. Well, no, yeah, it is. No. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And, it, and then it goes into it. Yeah. And then it's, so pretty. And then it's animation. But then, yeah, at the very end, then it goes back to live action. But yeah. like, it's just. And, and, you know, this was the dark age of Disney, so famously, like, the era of Disney where, you know, they had some problematic movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, like, you know, low budget. Uh, they were reusing, like, cell animations for movies and stuff like that. And, yeah. um, I mean, I think that, like, Winnie the Pooh endured as far as, like, being in a dark age, being the a, like, dark age movie. Mm-hmm. And it is like it is like one of the highest franchises in the world. It's higher than Mickey Mouse. Wow, higher the grossing Pooh? than Mickey Mouse. That's, yeah, Winnie the Pooh kind of... was number one for a while. Um, earlier wow. this year, I did a franchise uh, highest grossing franchises ranking on TikTok, and yeah, it was Winnie the Pooh at number one. And then wow. uh, I recently did one a couple weeks ago, and Winnie the Pooh moved to three. Wow, who's to... number one now? Pokemon. Oh, of course. of course. Oh, I actually yeah. remember you doing this video. I saw that. It it's changed. Um, yeah. So Hello Kitty and Pokemon surpassed. Yeah, Hello Kitty. Of course. It's so funny because I don't think anybody's actually like I know people have watched Hello Kitty, but in my mind, Hello Kitty is not a real TV show. It's a fake right. TV show, and no, there's yeah. just products for it. <laughs> right. I mean, there is a cartoon, and there's video yeah. games and comics, and I think yeah. there's cards. I think there's trading yeah. cards for it. But like. I mean, Hello Kitty lunchboxes, Hello Kitty freaking everything. iPhone cases, oh, yeah. Hello Kitty televisions. There's like a, oh, yeah. a VR combo Hello Kitty television I've seen. So, of course, <laughs> that's like, that's one of the highest grossing. But, yeah, yeah, it surpassed Pooh in less that's than incredible. a year, which was, I mean, it surpassed Pooh in less than a year, which is crazy as far as yeah. like in the world. I mean, that yeah. just goes to show like how, how fast money goes. Yeah. I mean, how fast money, wealth gets accumulated. Honestly. Right. Yeah. And, and it's I mean, a little frightening. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's, it's scary. Yeah. Um, but, but Winnie the Pooh is, I mean, Winnie the Pooh is just such a lovely film and um, it was my childhood favorite and it has endured as my favorite throughout um, my whole life. Uh, I absolutely love this film. Yeah. All these movies, all five of these, my top five, they're all equal to me. Um, but if I need, if I'm in a, like terrible place mentally and i'm really sad i turn this on because it has like the best voice acting ever like the old piglet um john fiedler he played piglet all the way up until piglet's big movie 
And wow. he was like yeah. an 86 or something when he did Piglet's big movie, wow. which was way later. The original film was 1977. He was also in 12 Angry Men. <laughs> like, I mean, a lot of these like people who were acting in it um, were like big, big stars. Like, in Was the- that how his voice just sounded or did he have to like make a voice for Piglet? That's how he sounded. That's if you rewatch 12 Angry Men and you're going to hear Piglet, it's trippy. That's so funny. I've only seen 12 Angry Men on stage. I've never actually seen the movie. Oh, it's it's really good. I've never seen it on stage. I could imagine it's probably really great uh, um, on stage, stage. too. Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of like the perfect kind of movie for that. Yeah. You know, where it's yeah. just all taking place in one room and highly, right. like, you know, performance driven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Winnie the Pooh's fantastic. And I'll never stop loving it. That's I love awesome. It. <laughs> all right That's amazing number one um my number one is probably gonna be really unexciting for a lot of people it's 2001 a space odyssey Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2001 i love this movie this movie's I, great I, it's really fantastic i mean technically you can't touch it um yeah i guess i can understand why some people are like it's stupid and boring or whatever because whatever but like it's not it's not any of that it's so exciting like like that I, one guy who told you who said well <laughs> you just like it because you're, yeah you're lying you're about liking it like promoting it. the film and i was like i'm promoting a, yeah or, like the movie's like almost 50 years old why am i why would i be promoting it why would anybody be promoting it kubrick's um, no longer with us like there's no yeah. reason to promote this movie unless it's good <laughs> So, like, when this movie came through for its, I believe, 40th anniversary, they, um, and I was living in Los Angeles at the time, they brought the unrestored uh, 70 millimeter, you know, film print to the AMC Century City uh, Boardwalk Theater. Wow. And I went to it, I think I went to it twice while it was there because I was like, I cannot miss this film. Yeah. And, like, it's incredible. It's so incredible. And it was so funny, actually, because there was a guy there that when the intermission came, like, he decided to, like, purport himself as, like, the film knowledgeable person in the audience. And he stood up and goes, this is an intermission. They used to have them in older movies. And, <laughs> and I was like, I, I think I think people got that. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people would have left. But I, I was just like, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in a room with people who think they're very important because they're watching this movie, which is a little odd. Um, <laughs> you should have just been like, really what and like the funny thing is is like one guy came up to him and he goes intermission why do you think they did that and he goes well like when this movie came out it was just so mind-bogglingly long that they had to put an intermission in and i was like this movie came out in 1968 i just want to remind you that there was like a movie that came out in 1915 that was three and a half hours long that had an intermission we won't name it because it sucks and then there was a movie that came out a couple years later, also three hours long, like this this was a tradition in Hollywood to have a very long movie with an intermission. They called it the Road Show. It wasn't because two thousand one was so mind bogglingly long of a movie, like Lawrence of Arabia, Cleopatra, these four hour epics are all older than two thousand one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it like just... 
He's just talking out of his ass, of course. Yeah, he just he just yeah. was like, "Oh, this is my time to shine. I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the the <laughs> film buff of the audience here." And I'm sitting there in the intermission, just eating my popcorn. I'm like, "This is my this is my my movie and my show, <laughs> like happening <laughs> right, right here." Right. Yeah, yeah. You get some in-house like extra entertainment, contextual yeah. entertainment. Honestly, go watch a movie in Los Angeles any time, anytime, and somebody will be in the audience. And at, at the second the movie ends, or the second there's a break, they will they will purport themselves as the film knowledgeable person in the audience. It happened so many times when I was out there. It's so annoying. Oh my God. But, um, yeah, that sounds insufferable. <laughs> it really is. That's like the vibe of like, like, I don't know if this happens. Like, I don't know if this happens where you are, but where I am, sometimes people clap after movies <laughs> and it's like, it's oh been a really long God. time since I've seen that happen. But when it does happen, and I'll, I'll fully admit when, I was a little kid and I went and saw Spider-Man 2. This is one of my earliest memories of, you know, people clapping in the theater. When the title came up, people clapped. What? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people clap for the the title the title card of Spider-Man 2 back in the day. It happened, guys. I was there. Wow. I So, I mean, it, it was a thing. Um, wow. but like other than that, I can't remember really except for like any time I've been at a Marvel film for opening weekend. I don't think I've ever experience clapping in the theater <laughs> there's yeah i mean there was like one of the weirdest times that happened was there was a, a a harry potter trailer and i don't remember what it was but it was daniel radcliffe expecto patronum and then all of a sudden everybody was clapping and it's like what <laughs> and then after we got out my friend was like did you clap during that i said no <laughs> get it's real like the, uh, dude green can't hear us it's <laughs> like, right, right i i listen i would clap during a, a film festival maybe yeah that's the vibe the, the filmmaker is there usually right, right. <laughs> so you're applauding for them i get that but not at a regular movie theater come on yeah. now. Uh, that reminds me actually of of uh shoot what was i gonna say oh my god clapping i can't remember at, what clapping at the movie theater there was a there was an experience that I had that I was remembering that was like directly related to this, and now I'm not. It's gone. Move on. <laughs> that's, that's okay. I understand. It'll come back at the worst time. <laughs> it'll it'll come back. It'll come back. I'm manifesting it. Um, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. 2001. That's a great pick. That is a Woo-hoo. great, great, great <laughs> picture. I absolutely love that picture. Uh, my number one. And this is probably going to be boring to people too, but here it is: <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, nineteen seventy-four, the original. Oh yeah, I just this movie just says so much, and and it does it so quickly. It does it all under ninety minutes, and it yeah. just makes so many amazing statements. And it's so entertaining, and it's so funny, and it's so scary, and like it's not overly gory. It really actually is really minimally gory. Like, uh, Toby Hooper wanted it to be PG. Yeah, that's what's wild about right. <laughs> the whole the whole thing. So many people don't realize that. Or I say, yeah. like, oh, I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And they're like, yeah, isn't that whole movie, like, sand? And it's like, <laughs> no. It's no. very, very colorful. Yeah. 
like a lot of sunflowers, like bright reds, like the Especially blues. Especially in these the newer nighttime. restorations. It's yeah. Gorgeous. It's a really oh pretty gosh. film. I have the 4K remaster of it, and like nice. a lot of the grain is gone. And you actually like see the technical inconsistencies of it now because of how <laughs> like good the remaster is. But it's, nice. it's okay because the movie is just so, so entertaining. Yeah. Like just like the best chase. Yeah. I mean, the most sympathetic monster. Just like incredible, incredible filmmaking. I I can't. I can't. I mean, I don't even know what to say because this movie is just like my life. I love it so much. I always watch, turn it on to laugh. Like, there's the part where like the old boy is like, "Now you just be. Now you just be quiet here, and uh, and you'll be all right." And then he like pokes her with a <laughs> stick, and she screams, and he's like. <laughs> Like laughing. At it. <laughs> like... <laughs> so messed up. Oh my god. Or they get like the like ancient like hundred and fifty year old grandpa who can't even move, and they're like, "Yeah, grandpa's gonna hit you over the head with a hammer, gear, grandpa!" And he like keeps dropping the hammer. Like... <laughs> that whole final like like 15 or 20 minutes of the film where it's just pure chaos and people yeah. screaming at each other. It's so wild. And like, and like, he's like, like Leatherface leans in in the dinner table and like his <laughs> eyes aren't showing through the pretty, the pretty, uh, mask or whatever, the yeah. makeup mask. And it's just like black eyes. And it's just, Oh my God. Yeah. And the fact that the whole movie just takes place over. Yeah. Like one night. Right. Like, that's one of those, like, one-night odysseys that just, it's extremely chronological, and it just takes it bit by bit by bit, but it still has so many twists and turns yeah. of just this, like, and and it's got, I mean, it's the original, one of the original, like, final girls. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I love it. I absolutely love it. That whole final scene where he's, like, dancing, the chainsaw dance, so weird. and So weird. It's so... It's like beautiful, but I don't. It's it's like the connotations of the word beautiful are not right, but it is. Right. No, <laughs> it, so... it is. Yeah, he's like he's swinging his chainsaw around. The yeah. sun is rising. Yeah, I mean it's just like, Incredible and then shot. it and then it cuts halfway through it, and it's yeah. just oh my god! Like everything all the way up until that, it's just. I think so I was like good. silent the entire. Like, I don't know if this movie has closing credits or not, because some movies from back then didn't. But if it did, I was probably staring at the screen like. Yeah, the that's, <laughs> that's exactly what happened when I first saw it. It was like. Yeah. Mind blowing. And it just was like quiet during the credits. Yeah. And it's like, God, like that was the loudest silence. Yeah, ever. because because the whole like latter half of the movie is just screaming and chainsaw noises and oh and like redneck and the, stuff <laughs> and the light like reflects off of like she has these like Sally the main character has these like uh-huh. white bell bottoms and the moonlight reflecting off of the bell bottoms and they just get like distinctly more muddy and like bloody oh, oh god just. It's, it's just that really evolution. famous zoom shot that the one that everybody knows when it like quick zooms in on the sliding door opening and yeah. he just comes out with the camera and just like it, yeah. there's no fuss about it. And in, in like, I feel like in a modern day horror movie, they would have made that an entire sequence like of being chased with a hammer, but no, there's no fuss about it. Just done. right. <laughs> like, oh, and that's incredible. your introdu- That's your introduction to Leatherface. Just. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and the way he just flops down is so disturbing. It's right. So good. And then he just closes yeah. the door like uh, and then I feel like so many like serial killer movies or horror movies slasher films have tried to like recreate that like badass closing door moment that that Leatherface has in the first movie and it like yeah. it never works like they did that at the end of Saw game over and then closes the door and it just it never <laughs> has the same impact that Leatherface had it just, I, it I did love that I did love that in Saw but you're right yeah. it did not have anywhere near the same impact that right that Texas Chainsaw had. I think part of it is just because it almost like it almost was like anticlimactic, but because yeah. it was such an intense thing, the anticlimactic nature of it made it seem like this is just like nothing to Leatherface. Right, know, to just Bob another Bob. day for Leatherface. Right, <laughs> just another day. But like, I also love how like in the movie he's. It's obvious that Leatherface is freaking out. Yeah, like the more children the more teenagers are just coming into his house and like breaking into his house. Like the more he's just like, ah, like, he's like, can't you guys leave me alone? Where are you coming from? <laughs> yeah. Like, I have so enough meat. Thing. I don't need you here. Right. right. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not, I'm not looking for groceries right now. Get out of my house. Right. Right. And, Oh yeah, it just and such a oh god, such a sympathetic monster. Like that close up of him in like the Ugh. sun, and you just see him like thinking. Yeah, <sighs> that movie is so sweaty and so sweaty, uh, unbelievable. <laughs> and apparently, uh, Gunnar Hansen had such a bad smell because he had uh. to wear the same costume that people were vomiting. Oh my god! Because he just smelled so rank. Because he couldn't yeah. change it, because he had to like remain consistent. Because they shot it chronologically, yeah, and like they actually had like decaying meat on the thing on the table for like the dining, you know, the dining room scene. Yeah, and people just kept having to like step outside, puke, and then come back <laughs> in and keep filming. <laughs> oh, like... I'm really glad that um, those kind of conditions <laughs> don't happen anymore. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Why are so many great movies were just like torturing uh, the actors? Right. Like we get it. We get creation can be torture sometimes, but it doesn't have to be. <laughs> right. Uh, I know. I know. But this movie is just fantastic movie. I mean, I was uh it it's definitely contributed to my vegetarianism. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's it's such a good like takedown of just like I don't know just the nuclear family like idea because yeah. it is it is a nuclear family in a way it's like two and a half you know mm -hmm. two and a half people and like all like and they're all men the men run everything there's no women to be found but like of course like you know they end up forcing each other into these like weird gender roles because they're just yeah. so like destroyed by like yeah. culture and just by their like circumstance. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's a movie where a lot of the sequels just were really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. And I, I haven't actually seen any of the sequels, but every time I learn anything about the sequels, I'm like, that sounds awful. <laughs> Tex Texas two is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but it's a different kind of a movie. It's, it's like a comedy, right? All out comedy. Like they <laughs> they took it's like Evil Dead too. Like just nice. straight up comedy. I actually would like almost compare Evil Dead yeah. one 
and Evil Dead 2 to Texas 1 and Texas 2. But nice. Texas 3 didn't, it wasn't as good as like Army of Darkness. Is that was. the one with Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's uh, like seven or something. It's wow, like they made that later. many. I, there's wow. so many. There's like 10 or 12, I think, or something. Wait, strange. I'm going to see here. I wonder if it'll tell me on Letterboxd how many are in the series. Related films. Yeah, the, there's a remake, there's two, there's, like, Leatherface, there's another remake, then there was a, the new remake, so there was, like, two, there was three remakes. Wow, three remakes. There's Texas Chainsaw with Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> there was uh, Leatherface 2. Oh, they made just Leatherface, the movie, okay. They made Leatherface, the movie Leatherface, and then they made the movie Leatherface 2. Wow. I did not realize there was that Texas many. Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. And, like, those are the movies that everybody's thinking of when they think of yeah. Texas Chainsaw. Just watch the original because it's so yeah. good. It's just so good. It's so, a great film. So there you have it. That's uh, Gunch and Wes's takes. Woo! And um, if you like these takes, this is the pot. Yeah. So. You should follow it. <laughs> yeah. Follow it if you feel like it, and follow me on TikTok. I'm uh, Film Gunch, and follow Wes. You can follow me. I am Espresso Films. It's like Espresso with a W at the beginning, underscore Films, or just West Talk Movies, I think, pulls me up as well. Um, yeah, we'd love to have more followers on TikTok and more followers on this podcast, so tell your friends. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I don't know how it works on Apple uh, Podcasts, but we'll get it up there. And I know on Spotify you can leave a review, so feel free if you like it. Um, and then on YouTube, feel free to comment, like, and, and share. But we really, really thank you guys for listening, and anybody who's listening to this, because you are witnessing true history. The, yeah, the beginning of something hopefully amazing and long-lasting and wonderful. Yeah, and and I just want to say we recorded for probably like eight hours today. <laughs> and i think this is yeah this is going to be the last we're probably splitting this up uh it won't be one eight hour episode um we're going to be splitting it up so this is going to be the genesis of all of that this is the last in our series of top 50